So appreciate, uh, thoughts and prayers and whatever else you guys can send me <laughs> for a full recovery. So, so that's what's been going on. That's why I've missed the last few weeks and I finally felt good enough today. Maybe it was the extra hour of sleep. I don't know, but I finally felt good enough today to jump on. And I just wanted to, you know, one of the things being sick and just, uh, mostly resting and just laying there, which is can be hard for me to do. It can be hard for me to dial it down and turn it off and just rest when I need to rest. But I, I always get um introspective during that time, right? So instead of just sitting there watching Netflix, which I certainly did uh, plenty of, definitely did not spend any time on social media or scrolling or posting uh, much at all. But I did spend some time just reflecting, and I wanted to just come on, uh, today and then tomorrow night in the group, I want to continue the discussion. So if you are watching this on a platform and you haven't, uh, um, subscribed or joined the Facebook group, the New Day Global Facebook group, which the link is in my bio or you can find it on my Facebook page, um, I I'm doing the live video on Monday nights to follow up on these in that group as well. Uh, and it can be a little bit more intimate. I'm just more comfortable in a private group setting to talk a little bit more openly about personal and private things. I think I, you know, after being a pastor and living in that fishbowl, uh, living under that microscope for so many years and the toll that it was taking on my family, I really try to keep my personal life and mine. <laughs> okay, let's see. It looks like we got quite a few people jumping on here. And again, for some reason, I'm going to have to get with Derek Day, who helped me set this up on Restream so I could stream on multiple platforms. But for whatever reason, I'm not able to see the names of who's commenting. Let me just go in here. And see what I can see. Um, so I see, just looking on my phone, I see Tina um, commenting, Marshall commenting. Hey, guys. Um, I see Joyce is on. Thank you, James. Thanks for commenting and joining. So <clears throat> it, interesting thing for me. So I have, uh, you know, I was kind of, I've been talking about deconstruction. I've been talking about problems with the Christian faith for many, many years now. Started before the pandemic. It's been at least seven years that I've been deconstructed or talking about, you know, the myriad of problems with the Bible, with Christianity. And I'll be honest with you, you know, that was 2016. Seven years ago that I started <clears throat> really deconstructing and probably <clears throat> was deconstructing because of Bible scholarship and various different things uh, a few years before that. So I've probably been on this path for eight or nine, maybe even ten years, right? But really vocal and public about it for about the last seven years. <clears throat> and during that time, I've interacted with a lot of people in this community, a lot of uh, really strong voices, uh, people that I love and respect. <clears throat> but one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of even pastors end up deconstructing and just going completely full-on scientific materialism, um, completely becoming completely and totally humanists or secularists, or atheists. And I don't have any problem with that. And so this isn't my purpose to take issue with those people or with those things. That's their path and their choice, and I totally get and understand why they would choose to go down that particular path. And certainly I flirted with atheism. Um, You know, there's some compelling arguments. But I could never embrace that because, and I would say this over and over on this channel, because I had too many personal experiences that could not be accounted for with any rational, logical, reasonable, repetitive, observable, measurable, uh, 
data or explanation of the world at all. And it wasn't just one or two. Like one of the things that I realized was a lot of people, in fact, probably most people, and I realized this early on. I mean, I realized this 10, 15. No, let me think. Um, no, I, I realized this 23 years ago, year 2000, when I started in ministry, that people kind of bump into supernatural experiences or answers to prayer. Like um, they, you know, they'll have one or two or three experiences that stand out for them in their lives that are highlighted because it can't be explained through <clears throat> natural law. It can't be explained through normal circumstances. It's paranormal. It's out of the ordinary. And they, they may highlight those things. And this was so true in the church and especially the Word of Faith church. Like the, the Word of Faith group was the worst, man. Um, I can't tell you how many Word of Faith churches that I went to, you know, where they believed really strongly and hardly for healing. They believed really strongly and hardly. Hardly. They believed really strong and hardly. Again, <laughs> they would believe really strong and hard in, you know, things like healing and miracles and, and prosperity and sowing and reaping and financial miracles and answers to prayer and just name it and claim it and confess it and possess it and all that stuff. And they were the worst, absolutely the worst. Uh, in all the churches that I went into and stuff, one of the things that I used to do was go in and, and teach people about signs and wonders. We would hold signs, signs and wonders meetings. We would hold miracle services. And we would see results every single time. I can't think of a single healing service or miracle service or um, signs and wonders events that we had that there was not something really solid, really verifiable. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm not talking about duping people. We worked really hard, and I think this is one of the reasons that we did see a lot of results is because we worked really hard to keep it real. Uh, you know, we'd pray for somebody and ask them if they were noticing a change in their condition, which I'm sure if you've followed any kind of healing services, you've you've witnessed that. And we would do this very relationally, uh, try to kind of strip the pomp and circumstance from it and just tell people, hey, you know, are you seeing a change? Are you seeing a difference in what's happening with you? And then tell them it's okay if it's not. You know, we're not here to put on a show or dupe people or fool people. We're here to see what works and what doesn't. And I can honestly say that especially from around 2005 until we stopped in 2020 because of the pandemic, that we probably never held a healing service that we didn't see someone at least healed, usually multiple people healed. I trained healing teams. In other words, I trained lay people to uh, minister healing to people or to learn how to operate in intuitive and psychic, what I would call intuitive and psychic knowledge. And every single time it was successful in every church that I went into. But the hardest ones, the hardest churches to ever see stuff, and there were times I would go into like really strong word of faith churches and forget it. You wouldn't see a thing. Or you would have people come up who, you know, were really immersed in that level of teaching because we did teach some things that were similar to uh, word of faith doctrines and teachings, and they might come forward to receive prayer or to receive ministry or something. And I would, you know, I could spot them right off the bat. It's almost like they had a, in their zeal to believe and trust God and confess and possess and do all of that. It's almost like it created some kind of an energy field around them that repelled miracles, that repelled answered prayers. And, who knows why that is the case, right? And it wasn't just me. Like, I'm, I'm not just saying, you know, I was doing these things. Um, because, like I said, we taught lay people and had ministry teams. And more often than not, when we would have healing services or miracle services, we would call our healing teams forward, and they would minister to the people. And they would, you know, see results and see stuff happening. And that, that's not just true of me. I, I hung around, you know, leaders, got to know Christian leaders, pastors very well, who were also successfully, effectively, and with integrity operating in the supernatural. Now, one interesting thing when 
we had our church, there were two individuals. I don't want to say their names because I don't want to implicate them, but we had two, uh, individuals that came through our church and came and ministered at our church who had reputations for being signs and wonders guys, signs and wonders guys. Now, one of the guys that we had in that I'm thinking of, I didn't know him. I brought him in on reputation and because he was a friend of a friend and he was a complete charlatan. Um, never had him back, was sorry that I had him in, complete fake, phony. Uh, but he did say, he did tell me when we had breakfast, he said, I, he said, I've never been in a church that has the kind of supernatural things happening that you have. Now, the other person that I brought in, uh, he could really deliver on the goods. I mean, he really could and did operate in a powerful, what we would call anointing or powerfully in signs and wonders in the supernatural. And he used to love to come to our church and he would tell me, I've never been anywhere where there's so much angelic activity or there's so much divine activity or there's so much presence. So th- this is really true. You know, people that attended our fellowship, we did a prayer service on Thursday nights. We started doing this in, I think, I want to say 2005. That turned into a weekly healing service, weekly miracle service, weekly signs and wonders service. And every time we would get together every week on a Thursday for years, there was d- divine stuff happening. <coughs> Excuse me. It's funny. I'm talking about healing while I'm sick as a dog, right? Sick as I've ever been. And so I put some of this out there on my Facebook page, talking about some different things. I thought I'd share some experiences that we had over the years or that I had over the years with you to help you understand. Uh, This is why I completely and totally and utterly reject scientific materialism and, uh, and outright atheism. Now, I don't believe in the caricature of the God of the Bible. I don't believe in Yahweh. I don't worship Yahweh. I don't believe in um, much to do with uh, religious thinking about God. I've rejected those versions of God outright. And so in that sense, you could say I was an atheist. But to say that this material world is all there is and we've got to go by logic and reason and we've got to go by what's observable and what's measurable and what's repeatable and we're only going to go by what's objective to us out there and and all of its bullshit, you know, all of all of the supernatural stuff out there, you know, I can't do that. To do that would be to deny. I've forgotten more supernatural stuff that's happened than most people will ever experience in their lives. Now, this begs the question, and people were asking it on my Facebook page, well, why did you get it? Why did it work for you when it didn't work for me? Why did it work for you when it didn't work for others? Why were there people that got healed and then people that didn't get healed? And listen, I'm not in any way insensitive to that. Uh, and I will be honest, there were there were a lot of hard cases that we saw the miraculous with there were we had a room in our church where we had uh, things like crutches and casts and uh, hypodermic needles for insulin and things like that. Um, gosh, I can't even remember all this stuff. There was a lot of crutches. There was even, I think, a wheelchair and stuff in there for people who had been healed and left their stuff. I remember we had a guy that had been attending our church for quite some time and he dropped a, uh, he, with his job or whatever, he dropped a like a brick or something on his foot. I can't remember, but it was that day. He literally broke his foot. He went to his doctor, went to his provider instead of uh, to the emergency room or whatever, and his provider attended our church as well. And so she brought him to one of our services. We were having just a, a service where we were talking about the supernatural. and uh, And he was instantly healed in that service. Instantly healed. Um, we had, and she verified, you know, his provider verified that, yeah, it was broken. And he came in on crutches and left walking with no swelling on his foot instantly. Um, in the same service, we had a guy just sitting there, didn't even receive prayer, who had had a deviated nasal septum. We used to see this a lot. Had a deviated nasal septum 
uh, and he felt it just adjust like a, like an adjustment while he was sitting there during the service. Didn't come forward for prayer. Nobody prayed for him. Nobody believed. Nobody set an intention. It just happened. I remember giving a word of knowledge one Sunday about uh, there being healing for planner's warts. Somebody with a planner's wart was being healed. And we had a small group at that time. We had a smaller congregation at that time. And so I would take this, these risks, you know, with these words of knowledge and step out and say, hey, there's someone here that has this condition. And nobody responded. And so, but, but see, here's how we did it. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, it was just, it was very informal. It was very non-performative. And so I'd say, well, I guess I didn't get that one right. I guess I missed that one. And didn't think any more about it, went out to eat, went home, get a call from a parent later that afternoon. Their child who was in Sunday school was having an outbreak of like planter's warts or something on their feet. And during the Sunday school service, the planter's warts fell off their feet and completely like fresh skin was there in place of the planter's warts. And when they took their socks off, their warts were all, you know, in their socks or whatever. So at the same time, I'm giving the word of knowledge upstairs. There's somebody here being healed of planter's warts and nobody's responding Somebody in our children's church who didn't hear the word or, or so, you know, so this, so people tell me, oh, it's just, it's the power of the mind. It's the power of the placebo effect. No, no, I, <laughs> it isn't always the placebo effect. It isn't always just, uh, you know, positive thinking and that kind of stuff because we, we had stuff like that. We had stuff like that. Uh, there were people that got healed watching the, the videos. Um, we had consistently people who were deaf um, receive their hearing. Consistently people who had, you know, frozen shoulder or, you know, torn rotator cuffs and stuff like that um, get completely healed. We had a kid that was in seventh grade who broke his collarbone playing a football game. Had broken his collarbone two days before, snapped it like a twig, and he got prayed for. And the bone came back together instantly. People could feel it under their hands as they were praying for him. And he felt a pain lift. And it was so incredulous to his family, even though he said he was healed, he was ready to go back out and play football. The family was so stunned and they it was so incredulous to them uh, that they didn't even take him back to the doctor to get it checked out or anything. Um, it's like it was so outside their realm of possibility that they couldn't get their mind around it. We had several people who had cancer, even stage four cancer, who were completely healed of their cancer. We had one creative miracle one time uh, where a lady came forward to receive prayer for something else. This wasn't even about uh, her health. It was about something else, but she got really touched by what we would call the power of God back then. And a couple weeks later after that, she did have a medical condition and she had to go to the uh, hospital and they took x-rays of her <clears throat> kidneys for some reason. And she was born with only one kidney. And in the x-rays, there were two healthy kidneys. Uh, her parents uh, brought the x-rays. Her parents verified the story and testified and so, again, this wasn't like power of suggestion type stuff. This wasn't law of attraction type stuff. This wasn't agreement type stuff. Oh, we just agree right now for an extra kidney. We didn't even know she needed a kidney. And she that wasn't even on her radar. And yet uh, she remembers being powerfully, powerfully touched by what we called back then the, the presence and the power of God. And uh, And she could feel something going on in the area of her kidneys. And so we assume, you know, that's what happened. And then it was verified by x-ray, but she didn't, you know, her other kidney wasn't diseased or anything. So why did that happen? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Um, so we did have, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. These are just the ones that I can remember. Bonafide miracles, bonafide healings, consistently, repeatably. But I will also say that there were people who never 
and and particularly in what we might call the hard cases. We had a young man with a traumatic brain injury, a TBI, very uh, serious TBI that left him uh, very incapacitated. Wonderful young man. Um, but, you know, nothing happened for him in any of our services, healing services, that kind of thing. Um, my niece, uh, you know, died of leukemia and we prayed, we fasted, we believed, we warfared, we did everything we needed to do. And from the time she was diagnosed to the time she died was, well, I think less than a month, if my memory serves me correctly. My own son, um, uh, has considerable health challenges and health issues. And even though it seemed like almost every person with a hearing problem that we prayed for got their hearing back, including one of my nieces, uh, in one of our services. Um, my son, one of my sons is completely deaf in his left ear. And so this isn't the kind of thing where you just go around willing it to happen. I mean, I'm giving you examples of things that happened that there was no intention, no belief, no agreement, uh, and that kind of stuff would happen a lot. That kind of stuff would happen consistently. Um, financial miracles, we saw that a lot. I mean, you know, I'll give you one example. Um, I was in Poland, and uh, whatever that voice is, the Spirit, we called it the Holy Spirit back then, but Spirit spoke to me and said, um, I want you to give, as a church, not as an individual, but I want you to, the, the church, to give $20,000 <clears> to a ministry that I will show you, that I will tell you. But I want you to be prepared to give it when I tell you to give it. And so I just kind of tucked that away. And then, you know, I don't know if it was a few days or a couple weeks. I can't remember the time frame. But a little while later, uh I just, you know, intuitively became impressed that this guy's ministry that I've known of, that I knew of, uh, that we needed to give them $20,000. And the problem was I didn't like that guy's ministry. I don't like that guy's ministry today. I didn't like it back then. Um, didn't agree with him on a lot of stuff. Didn't feel like he had a lot of integrity. Um Frankly, thought he was a complete jerk. Had no people skills whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay. So I went to our board of directors because they're the ones that make and have made all the financial decisions about our church. Or, you know, they take on that responsibility. They take on the fiduciary responsibilities. So they have the power to make those decisions. And I told them, I said, I believe God is telling me to sow $20,000 into this guy's ministry. I know you guys have never heard of him. I don't really like him. I'm just telling you this is what I think the Spirit is saying for me to do. And if we do this, then tenfold will come back. Now, I wasn't that guy, guys. I mean, I get accused of this. Um, I, w- I was the guy who would forget to take an offering. You know, I get accused by my opponents, my adversaries, my enemies out there publicly that I was, you know, constantly fundraising. Nothing could be further from the truth. (laughs) And there are people in here usually that comment, uh, Jeanette Pacheco Peasley, Roger Brown, uh, who's on here. He's been part of our board of directors since the very, very beginning. One of our charter members going all the way back to what was it, Roger, 2000 or something. So he's been with us for, you know, over 20 years, still on our board of directors. Very faithful, very integrous person, known for his integrity. And I was the guy, so you can ask those guys. I was the guy that would forget to take the offering. Um, and sure, I fundraised for things like down payments on a building and things like that. And in this particular instance, but but I was never the guy that said, hey, if you sow here, then God's going to give you a tenfold return or God's going to give you a hundredfold return. Or if you give, you know, uh, 
$33.33, then Psalm 33 is going to be your promise for the year. I mean, I never did that kind of BS. I always thought that was ridiculous. We trusted God. We lived by faith. So in the, in this particular instance, we end up, I go to this guy's website to try to find him, and I pull up his website. Now, we'd already talked about this. We'd already decided this, but I went to the board of directors. I said, I want you guys to pray about it. I want you guys to see what you feel, and if there's one single person in here who doesn't feel like this is the right thing to do, then we won't do it. So I'm not bullying them with, well, God spoke to me, and I'm the man of God, and you have to follow us. I didn't do any of that crap. I said, I want you guys to pray about it. This is something we're going to be doing together. I want you guys to not answer right now. I want you to take a week and pray about it. And within a week, they all came back and said, we feel really good about it. So I go to try to find the guy, find his website, and see that he is raising funds or believing uh, to buy a van. He was a missionary and was in another country at the time. And I wasn't fully aware of all of that. I mean, it had been 10, 15 years since I talked to the guy. We had a falling out. And anyway, he was trying to get a van for his, you know, like children's church or whatever. And the cost of the van, the amount he was trying to raise was $20,000. And he had just posted that. And so I contacted him. I said, look, we're going to give you $20,000. Use it however you want. Um, you don't have to use it towards the van. We're not dictating that, but this is what we're doing. And so he, he took, got the money and <clears throat> paid for his van. I can tell you so many stories where we would get uh, a leading, an intuitive leading to give money to people with an exact amount and it would be the exact amount that they needed for something. I mean, that happened over and over and over again. Not necessarily giving and getting a return, um, but being able to meet other people's needs, being able to be a blessing to other people. It happened over and over again. I remember, um, hmm. I don't want to say who, but a person that was important to me in my life uh, was coming back from a, a meeting in Dallas and, again, got one of these leadings and promptings that I was supposed to get. I'm going to come back to this $20,000 in a minute um, and the tenfold return. But I would, I would get these leadings and these promptings to, um, uh, you know, give. And I'm on my way back uh on this airplane and I hear an exact amount. I want you to give this person a thousand dollars. And at the time I needed the money, right? And so I'm arguing with that voice. I'm arguing at that time I thought was the Lord and I'm arguing with that voice. I'm saying, no, nah, you know, I, I need that money. I've, I've got things I can do with that money and I don't want to just go off a whim. This could just be me. In other words, and I don't even know if this person needs it. Uh, like every time, even though repeatedly I knew, that there would be results and that that person would need it and it would be a miracle for that person. It would be a blessing to that person. And so I said, I need some kind of confirmation. So that was like on a Monday when I was on the plane. And I want to say by Wednesday, this person had contacted me and asked me if they could take us uh, out to dinner. And so I knew at that point that because this wasn't somebody I talked to a lot, you know, this is somebody that, you know, for them to reach out and offer me to take me to dinner, not a normal thing. So it's kind of like my sign, right? So I wrote out the check. I put it in an envelope because this was the leading that I felt. Um, I wrote out the check, put it in an envelope, and had it sitting on the table the entire time. So he shows up. We're sitting there eating dinner, and the envelope's sitting there the entire time. And uh, and then he asks if he can borrow at the end of the evening, he asks us if he can borrow from us a thousand dollars for a really important pressing need that he had. And I said, Nope, you cannot borrow a thousand dollars. I won't lend you a thousand dollars. And he, you know, dropped his head and he said, Oh, okay. Well, I really appreciate, you know, and I understand. And then I just grabbed that envelope knowing that there was a check for a thousand dollars in it slid it across the table and, and handed it to him. And he looked up at me. He said, that's one of those crazy God things you do, isn't it? And I was like, yep. <laughs> anyway, back to the 20,000 that we gave. So then I did, we did tell the church, you know, hey, we're giving to this ministry. They're going to do this. One of the largest gifts, single gifts we've ever given as a church to help um, spread the gospel around the world. And, uh, we're believing, and I use this language, I said we're believing for a 
tenfold return. If you guys want to give into that, if you want to sow into that, we're going to take one offering. We're going to do it in a month. We're going to take one offering as what we called then a breakthrough offering. So we did get into some of that cheesy church stuff. And, um, and we're going to take that in four weeks and then we let it go. We never asked for another offering after that or anything related to, uh, that gift. And what we were going to do was get completely out of debt. We were going to pay off our building because if we got, you know, $200,000, I think we were about $250,000 in debt still. And so all the money that came in for that breakthrough offering was going to go towards, um, paying off our building. And this was our first building that we bought. And so that was a month out. So three weeks later, three weeks later, um, not four, not when we're going to take the big offering, you know, I mean, we had some strategy to it. You plan it at the first of the month when people get paid and all that stuff, right? So this is like the last week of the month, the week before the breakthrough offering. And we always had prayer service before church. And we're sitting there praying. And again, this voice that I recognize as a spirit prompted me and said, I want you to get the offering baskets out. And I want you to pray over the offering and for the people who are giving money today. We always prayed for people that were giving money, but not always before the service. This would have been a, a special thing. And that voice said, you know, get everybody around and everybody praying. And I said, I argue, I argue with this voice all the time. And I said, no, next week is the, <laughs> next week is the breakthrough offering. We can do that next week, not this week. But then I felt impressed, you know, again, no, do it this week. So we get everybody together, pray over the offering. Um, people had visions, you know, of blessing and abundance and all that stuff, which you would expect. And getting ready to start service, and a guy that didn't attend our church, someone in our community who was very wealthy, very well-to-do, but did not attend our church, was not a member of our church, did not know about our upcoming breakthrough offering, didn't know about the money that we had given, walks in the door of our church, tears streaming down his face. He said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to give you this. And he hands me a check for $70,000 on that particular Sunday. Somebody didn't even go to our church. Said, the Lord spoke to me, walks in, gives me a check for $70,000, walks out. These are the kind of things, guys. I mean, this happened consistently, consistently. Um <clears throat> But it didn't happen based on our whims or our will. In other words, I couldn't, I couldn't reproduce that. I couldn't make that repeatable. I couldn't decide to give another $20,000 gift or have somebody tell me, some preacher tell me, uh, if you give into this offering, then God's going to return blessings back to you. I mean, so that's that. So at the end of the day, within a month, we brought in, uh, thanks to that large gift, we brought in over half of what we needed. And by the end of the year, we had brought in $250,000 above and beyond our normal budget. In other words, we met our budget. We met uh, previous year's expectations as far as what we could expect as a charitable organization. And that particular year, we brought in $250,000 above. Well, if it was that easy, if it was just a formula, if it was just something you could do, then we would do that every year. But it didn't ever work like that. And that's why I struggle with this. Well, if it's because you agreed, it's because of the law of attraction. No, it never worked like that. In fact, I'm telling you right now, the people who are doing that, the people who are trying to make it work on their own whims or their own will or turn it on and off like a light switch, they never saw nothing. They never saw anything. It just didn't work like that. But I remember... um Speaking of $70,000 uh, or seventy five, I remember we were just starting out. We were less than a year old as a, as a church congregation. And <clears throat> we needed a, a building. We needed a place to meet. And so because we we're growing out, the place we were in, and it was just not ideal. 
And a realtor called me out of the blue and said, hey, I thought you guys might be looking for a building. <clears throat> I know of one that's for sale. And ironically, the church that was for sale was a Methodist church. And it was where I had my first job in ministry as a youth pastor. I ended up getting fired. Uh, only job I've ever been fired from was in ministry. Um, but anyway, uh, I was zealous. So the Methodist church was moving locations, and they had their church up for sale, the one where I had gotten my start in ministry. And I said, wow, that'd be great. But, uh, you know, what would we need to do? Like, And she says, the, the realtor, she says, well, my dad is uh, president of uh, one of the banks here. I can set up a meeting for you with a mortgage agent, loan loan officer. So I find myself the next day sitting there with a the loan officer, and <coughs> she's like, yeah, we can, we can, uh, loan you the money as long as you, you know, bring it in enough. And, uh, you'll just need to come up with a $75,000 down payment. Now, at the time, I think we'd only brought in that first year for the whole year, $60,000 in income and offerings. But I felt like, God was in that. And so I stood up in the congregation the following Sunday and I said, we're going to raise $75,000 within the next month. And I reached out, you know, uh, to a few people that I was close to in ministry who were other pastors. You know, what do you think for advice and wisdom and how do I do this? Because I was just starting out. Our church was less than a year old. And, uh, and one of my friends calls me that week and he says, Aaron, he says, uh, we decided, we talked about it as an elders group. We believe in what you're doing. We want to be part of what you're doing. So we want to sow into your ministry. So we're going to give you a check for $10,000. We're going to give you a check for $10,000. And I was like, that's great. You know, that's awesome. Now I just need to come up with the other 65, which again, we'd only brought in 60 the whole previous year. So we were on our second year, just starting our second year. And, uh, and I get off the phone with him and no, maybe two hours later, I get a phone call from the bank and they said, we've been going over your financials and we realized that if we were to make you come up with a full down payment, that it would set you guys up to fail and we want you to be successful. Of course, we want you to be able to pay the loan on the, on the building. So the only way we'll agree to do the deal is if you, your church, your organization can come up with $10,000. If you can come to the table with $10,000, then we will finance the rest. Do you think it will be hard for you to get $10,000? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Don't think it'll be hard at all. I mean, this was my life, gang. This was my life. I'm just rattling things off the top of my head that I can remember. You know, I talked about the healing stuff. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the financial stuff. The financial part was actually relatively easy for me, like, um, when I was in ministry and all it was. But again, we really answered a prayer that was God or whatever the case may be. Um, it just, it was very, very consistent. So the other thing that we had, uh, you know, talked a little bit about healing miracles and stuff like that. Talked about financial miracles and answers to prayer. I remember one of the last services that we had, um, a guy came into church, um, said, I, I finally found you. You guys moved because we ended up moving to a different location. He said, I finally found you. He says, uh, and it, he said about four or five years ago, he was a Catholic gentleman, um, had no exposure to charismania or any of that stuff. He said, I uh, came to one of your healing services about four or five years ago because I had severe back issues and back problems, constant back pain. And he said, I was completely healed in that service, completely instantly healed. And it's been four or five years, and I'm still healed. And he said, I didn't know what to do with it, so I went and talked to my priest at the Catholic Church. And my priest said, well, you've received a gift from God. Anyway, long story short, he had ended up starting a, a Bible study and a prayer service and, you know, serving and contributing in his church within the Catholic community. And uh, But he realized, you know, that he had never... Um, told me about it or thanked me for it or whatever. And uh, so he just walked in the door of our church and, you know, gave his testimony. I mean, we'd have stuff like that happen all the time. 
talked about the financial piece, and those are just two of many or a couple of many, 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 many stories I could tell you about financial miracles and things that happen. I want to talk about what we used to call the prophetic. So this would be being able to intuit things about people or know things about people or predict things about the future without knowing the person, knowing anything about them. And I would teach people to do this stuff. It wasn't just me doing it. I would teach people to do it, and they would get very good at it. They would get very accurate at it. In fact, I remember we had a a group of people that would meet just to go out in the community. They used to call it a treasure hunt, and they would meet just to go out in the community to uh, minister intuitively or psychically or prophetically to people. I remember in one instance, they used to do this consistently, but one that stands out in my mind was – a high school student in our church was doing this and got the impression and had a vision of the Walmart cookie aisle. I think it was the cookie aisle and a woman that would be standing in the cookie aisle. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but anyway, they end up going to the cookie aisle at Walmart and they see this woman and she's got her basket full of groceries and they were supposed to pay for her groceries. Now these are high school students, right? Um, or maybe just out of high school. I don't know. I think one of them had a credit card. And so they walk up to this person and they said, you know, the Lord has sent us, um, and we're here to pay for your groceries. And this person broke down and started bawling. And this person ended up writing a thank you note to our church and telling me the story. This person starts bawling. And so what had happened was this person was down on their luck. They didn't have any food. Somebody had agreed, a friend of theirs, person in their life uh, had agreed to meet them and uh, buy their groceries. And, but that person wasn't showing up. <laughs> and this person was texting and messaging this person and was just getting ready to put their groceries back because this person wasn't being responsive when some from someone from our church walked up and said, God sent us here to pay for your groceries. And so they went in and paid for the groceries. Again, being a miracle to somebody else. And then that person wrote a letter about how they were backslidden and all that stuff, and they were going to get back into their church. Uh, but thank you, you know, and thank you to the wonderful people who helped me out in my time of need. I remember I had another person that met with me to argue with me who was an atheist, um, scientific materialist. And, you know, we're doing all this, you know, Christian apologetics and stuff like that. And I had someone with me meeting with her. I wasn't meeting with her alone. Uh, one of the other people on our ministry team was there with me. And I said, you know what, let's just, you, you came, you're in a church, you came here, let me just pray real quick for you and call it good. Is it okay with, it, with you if I pray with you? Yeah, it's fine. So I bow my head and all of a sudden I get a name that was out there, like it wasn't a common name. And so I just looked at this person, and I can't remember what the name was, but I said, does this name, whatever it was, does this name mean something to you? And she looks at me stunned, and she says, well, it does. She said, that was the name of my, you know, dog. That's what I named my dog. Um, but that's not the significance of the name. The significance of the name is... That's my password. This was back when you could use simple passwords. So this was back early 2000s or whatever, when the Internet was, you know, wasn't what it is today. You didn't have to have multiple numbers and dashes and symbols and capital letters and all that stuff. You know, remember, we used to just use a simple word or something like a name. She said, that's my password. She said, I use that for my email. I use that for my bank accounts. She said, how did you know that about me? And she ended up leaving pretty shook up by that, as I'm sure she would. And I remember like a year, year and a half later, I have the same person with me, same person with me who was there in that meeting when we were talking to this individual. And I'm just in a convenience store. And this person walks up to me and says, uh, you're that guy. You're that scary guy. Because <laughs> I was able to, you know, into it her password. Now, again, these are not things where I'm just setting out, oh, God, give me the password. Oh, God, please meet our needs financially. Oh, God, we ask that you heal so-and-so. Like, never saw results with that. Never, ever, ever saw results with that. Ever. Uh, one other one that I'll talk about 
uh, and then, you know, there was people that would have out-of-body experiences. They would have angelic encounters. We had a lot of encounters with angels, even when you weren't supposed to have encounters with angels, um, that would manifest in our services. We would have um, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff. It would scare people. I mean, this didn't grow the church, by the way. This kind of stuff didn't grow the church. This kind of stuff scared the crap out of people and caused people to leave. Um, we had one particular season where people were manifesting golden glitter all over themselves and they would go home and it would be like, I remember one case, they would go home and it was all over their uh, dining room table, this gold glitter. And people were contacting me who had attended that service were contacting me after that service. Everybody that went home somewhere in their house, there was gold glitter. Now that's not the crazy thing. I mean, you can come up with whatever kind of rational explanation for that you want to. That's not the crazy thing. The crazy thing is the next day, all those same people messaged me and said, now the glitter's green. It's changed colors. Now it's green. And it happened in everybody's situation like that. Um, so we just, we had crazy stuff like that, man. We had, you know, the old Pentecostals used to talk about the tangible, visible glory of God manifesting. We saw that on multiple occasions. But I'll, I'll share this one and then I'll move on from just talking about my personal experiences. But when, uh, Barack Obama was running for president and this would have been before the Super Tuesday when he's still contending, I, I think it was with Hillary Clinton. At that time. And I think John McCain ended up getting the, uh, yeah, cause I was a Sarah Palin craziness stuff. Um, but anyway, it was before the primaries were settled and we were having one of our Thursday night, you know, sort of signs and wonders meetings and I got taken into a vision. And in this vision, I saw, uh, Barack Obama become president and I saw the calendar roll off the months from whatever it was. I think this was like in May or whatever it was. And so, you know, I saw the calendar go June, July, August pretty quickly in my vision, June, July, August. And then when I got to September, it slowed down. And then September slowly turned the calendar to October. And then the next part of the vision, I saw headlines about a stock market crash and saw the housing crisis and then saw Barack Obama become president. And so I stood up and prophesied this. I said, you know, Barack Obama is going to be the next president and he's going to be elected on the heels of a financial collapse, specifically in the stock market. And so this was 08, right? So we took our retirement savings out of the stock market and I said, and I said, this will happen sometime late September or early October. And so late September, early October that year, I'm in Alaska doing some NLP training. And uh, you did a three-week intensive NLP training. And I remember the day, you know, the day that the stock market um, crashed or collapsed. And I caught hell for that because, again, you know, I mean, hey, when when – January 6th was going on and I'm watching those people breaking into the Capitol with Jesus saves and Jesus loves you signs. I was like, that's my people. <laughs> that's my people. That's the people I serve for the better part of my life. <clears throat> and they were mad as hell that I said that Barack Obama was going to win the election and wanted to curse me. And some people called me a witch and, um, because they wanted, you know, Sarah Palin to rule the world, um, back then. Uh, but you know, people that listened to that and took their money out of the stock market, they didn't lose anything in 08 when that crash happened. Um, I remember another time prophesying over a pastor that was just getting started out. We didn't even have our building yet. And I told him within 90 days, you'll have your building and did that publicly. He calls me 90 days later. I'd forgotten, completely forgotten about it. He calls me 90 days later. He says, Hey, pastor Aaron, this is, uh, it, I don't know. It, it don't, my friends, Joe or Sandy Ortiz will watch this or Carlos Barrett. Um, but this was Roman. This was Joe's brother, Roman, uh, when they were just getting started. Roman calls me. He says, Hey man, he said, you remember, uh, three months ago, 
you prophesied over me, and this is how he's kind of profiling it. He said, you prophesied over me that uh, uh, we'd be in a church in, building in 90 days. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm thinking to myself, Aaron, why? Why did you do that? Because now I'm going to get called out as being a false prophet, and I probably was and probably am, because that's crazy to think. Um, we've been going for a year and can't find a building. This guy's just getting started. This was like his first service where I prophesied that. And they were using our building, I think, to meet or meeting in a home. I can't remember the specifics. And he said, well, guess what? He said, it's 90 days to the day, and I just signed a contract on a building, and we're going to be having a, a grand opening service, and I would like for you to be there, and I'd like for you to be one of the speakers, and I'd like for you to keep prophesying over me, brother. Um, so I remember another time. Um, anyway, you get the point. I'm just rattling stuff off the top of my head. I put no preparation into this whatsoever. And people that were involved in our ministry in church, they can tell you, um, that this was our life. This was our life. And, um, so for me to embrace scientific materialism, for me to fully embrace full on atheism, um, I'd have to say none of that stuff happened. I'd have to say none of that stuff was real. And I, and I get it, you know, with this audience out here, who knows what you guys, I haven't looked at the comments, but who knows what you guys are thinking? I don't talk about this stuff for a reason. Um, Lots of reasons. But I just thought it'd be good to come on here and explain, you know, like, I can't resonate. I can't resonate with just the stuff. Like, oh, well, it's just the law of attraction. It doesn't really work that way. There are things about the law of attraction that works. I've got some videos on it. But it doesn't just, it's not, you can't just will this stuff to happen. You can't just turn it on and off like a light switch. It's just occurrences. And for whatever reason, we... And myself and the people who had connected with us and were part of our ministry had a consistent arena of signs and wonders and supernatural activity that there is no explanation for. There's no scientific explanation for it. There's no quantum physics explanation for it. And it's so easily dismissed by people because, again, you all are depending on my self-reporting. You're depending on my memory, <laughs> that my memory is good and that I'm reporting accurately. Uh, I could be making it all up. I could have been deceived. Those could all just be coincidences, right? Uh, but again, I'm being honest. You know, there were people in my life that I already shared with you that didn't get healed. Lots of people, lots of heart cases that nothing happened for them. And so people say, well, if it was a God, you know, he just, if it was God doing those things, then he would always answer the prayer or he wouldn't answer the prayer or um, why did he do it for you? But it never happened for me. Why in 20 years, you know, why in one week, maybe you had more supernatural stuff happen to you than I did in 20 years of praying and believing. Why did my child die of cancer when this other person got healed of cancer? Why does this person get healed of a deviated nasal septum? But the guy with the traumatic brain injury sitting in the back doesn't get healed. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. And I don't pretend to. I don't pretend to know the answer to those questions. It's just as big a mystery to me as it is to anybody else. But to live this kind of lifestyle, you cannot demand to know everything. You're not entitled to know everything. You're not entitled to the answer. (laughs) You're not entitled to a miracle. You're not entitled to what we might call an answer to prayer. Do I, do I still, did I ever, even back then, pray to Sky Daddy? No, I didn't. In fact, and people will tell you this, going all the way back to 2000, uh, I would talk about how, you know, the, the Bible points to something being in you. Jesus said, out of your innermost being flow rivers of living water. Jesus said that there's a well of water within you in the Gospel of John. Paul said the fullness of the Word of God, the full message of the Gospel, is not the Jesus of history, and it's not anything that he taught or did. It's not the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said the Gospel is that there has always been the Christ in you, the divine spark in you, and it's just now being revealed through the Gospel. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. 
Ephesians chapter 3 says that God was exceedingly, uh, uh, that to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in you. Right after he prays for this geometry of the heart to be established within you, that it all comes from within. And so we taught people how to go within. We taught people how to become a vessel for energy work, a vessel for maybe what they call in the East, chi or uh, prana or what we call in the West, spirit or what we call like the divine life and light. We taught people how to open up to that, how to surrender to that, how to flow with that, how to do the exact opposite of, you know, just willing and demanding and feeling entitled to knowing the answers, feeling entitled to being certain, uh, feeling entitled to your particular prayer being answered. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm really not because I get it. And this is why people resisted what we did back then when we were in the religious establishment. This is why I'm sure I will lose subscribers and viewers off of this video. This is why I'm sure that I will get some kind of pushback because I think that deep down in most people's hearts and minds and lives, they want to believe in this kind of stuff. They want to see this kind of stuff. I don't think anybody wants to just believe that we are a cosmic accident, one of billions of other random possibilities. In other words, that, you know, the universe just exists by itself. There is no God. There is no intelligent design. There is no meaning. And we just happen to exist here because with the immensity of the universe and the probabilities of the arrangement of matter and evolution that eventually a species like us would show up and there is no terminus or point to it. There was no design to it. There's no meaning to it. And eventually we'll just be dead. I don't think anybody finds that particularly inspiring for them. I think that it's an alternative to a God who's going to send you to hell for not believing in him. And I think it gives uh, comfort to the uncertainty about why do some people get their prayers answered and some people don't. Believe me, there were very difficult times that we went through. There were horrible times that we went through. We went through horrible times with people. There were people who lost children. Uh, I did funerals for mothers uh, and grandmothers and, you know, tragic loss of life. I've been probably more than most to children's hospitals. I've spent time in children's cancer wards. I've spent time at children's hospital with my own children just in the last year. I'm sick as a dog, right? So I don't know the answer. I really don't know. But I think people, out of their frustration or because they have never experienced something like that or out of their own hurt or their own struggles, uh, and I'm not saying they were hurt by the church. I'm saying hurt in life, right? Like just life's a bitch, right? Like life's difficult and life sucks. And there are times, you know, it, I'll be honest with you. If we just did the standard praying model that most people learn and do and teach in the church, I cannot think there's not one story that I told you today, not a single one that happened because we just got together and decided this is what we want and we prayed for it and God answered that prayer. Like that system doesn't work. But just because that system doesn't work, and so here's my thing, people, because, because people don't experience this stuff, haven't experienced this stuff and aren't open to it, particularly if they're just materialists, then they just discount all that stuff. They discount it. Either I'm lying, I'm not you know, remembering correctly. And again, like I said, granted, this all is subjective to me and all depends on you believing my self-reporting. Like it could all be BS, right? So I'm not telling anyone they have to experience this. I'm not telling anyone, here's something you can build your life on and expect if you get sick that you're going to be healed, if your children get sick, that you're going to be immune to difficulty and hardship and trials and sufferings in this life, because none of us are. None of us are immune to it. 
But by the same token, I can't just dismiss it outright because here's the thing. What about all the people whose lives were benefited? What about all the people whose lives were impacted? Now, last time I talked about this, I had one of my haters out there, and I, I'm going to address some of this tomorrow night, but one of my haters out there say, you know, he's talking about healing and all the good stuff that he did, but, you know, there was also people that got hurt. Um, they, they even said, you know, he goes out and talks about religious trauma, but he caused a lot of religious trauma. And I get that. I mean, I benefited from the system. Absolutely. Did I do it with any ill intent or malintent in my heart? Absolutely not. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. Are there people that got hurt because of things that I did or said or because of my humanity or maybe because they put me on a pedestal that they shouldn't have put me on? Absolutely. 100%. And uh, that's just life, gang. I mean, who among us has never hurt anybody, right? I don't know why I'm talking about that. I guess I'm just saying it wasn't all, that's why I don't talk about this stuff, because it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows. And I wasn't right about everything. And if anything, because that stuff happened, I didn't recognize the esteem in which some people would hold me, and I probably didn't carry myself as carefully or steward that kind of influence as well as I should have. I'm sure that's absolutely true. So I'm not contending with people out there that say that, you know, um, it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows because it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows and I wasn't perfect. And I'm quite sure and certain, in fact, that there were people who did leave healing services who didn't get healed, who were disappointed and got hurt. We went through a whole season of deliverance ministry. Dear God, that's a whole other can of worms. And I know for a fact there were people that were harmed out of what we were trying to do to help them. Uh, that the, that the cure was worse than the disease or whatever the case may be. Um, but having, having said that and having addressed that, um, what about the people who did benefit? What about the people who did get healed? What about the people who did receive financial needs and miracles met? What about the people who were able to attach meaning to their lives? We had a number of occasions where people would uh, come to our services suicidal and something would happen that was supernatural that would impact their lives and prevent them from committing suicide. You know, what's wrong with that? That's why I just, uh, uh, a few months ago, I just backed away from, you know, taking a shit on religion all the time. Because what good does it do? And we're just talking to ourselves. We're just talking to ourselves. We're just, uh, you know, acting like we're enlightened now because we don't believe in anything but ourselves. I find it really uninspiring. I find it really uninspiring. So I don't know why I'm talking about this stuff. I definitely am feeling that medication kicking in. So I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, I hope if you guys enjoy this kind of stuff, I'll do more of this kind of stuff. I don't usually do this. This definitely isn't a teaching thing. This was me talking all about myself. Um, but I hope it encourages you that there is more to life than just this physical world. There is more to reality. There are latent abilities inside of each one of us that we can awaken that can give more meaning to our lives and more benefit to our lives. And so I did want to announce that I will be probably in January. Um, yeah, I probably won't try to mess with it during the holidays in November and December, but probably come January, I want to start doing some online um teachings about spirituality and energy work and latent psychic abilities. And I realize that's not going to be everybody's cup of tea on here. So uh, if that's interesting to you, I'm going to do it in a totally separate uh, venue and group. But let me know if that's something that interests you. And, uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back into that realm and back into that arena and seeing where it goes. Not into the realm and arena of religion or dogmatism or trying to get people to think like me or believe like me, but just more of an exploration to say, look, 
you know, these experiences are ubiquitous. You guys have probably had your own experiences. Um, and if not, you can read about them. You know, people have testified again, we're depending on self-reporting, but again, I'm not just going to throw that away. Like why? How boring. Um, so, uh, anyway, I will go back and read some of these comments. Thanks everybody for taking time to spend time with me. And, uh, I hope whatever time you're watching this, that you are happy and blessed and well. And I look forward to being with you again. If you haven't joined the New Day Global Facebook group, it's in my bio link. You do have to answer the questions and respond to the questions and agree to the community rules to get admission into the group. It's a private group, but I'll be doing a session tomorrow night um, at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, so 8 o'clock Eastern Time, where um, I'll just be talking some more about this, and I'll get a little bit more into uh, some of the trials, some of the hardships and things that we went through. Um, just to share transparently um, as it relates to where I'm at right now. And hopefully that will, as I share some of my struggles, it will help some of you that are struggling as well. But that's only for the private group, uh, the New Day Global Facebook group. So anyway, thanks for spending time with me. And uh, I will be back, Lord willing, I will be back hopefully next week. And again, all of you that have reached out to me that know that I've been so sick and have reached out to me and have sent me Reiki and witchcraft and healing spells and prayers and thoughts. I appreciate all of it. Uh, and hopefully I'll be over this crud sooner rather than later.